Welcome to Shakti's podcast. At Shakti Health and Wellness Center, we practice medicine which deeply values the importance of relationship between doctor and patient. Our integrative medicine approach focuses on the whole person, is informed by evidence-based medicine, and makes use of integrative therapies to help you reach your optimal health and healing. We will stress the importance of prevention of illness as well as treating symptoms. In our podcast, we'll be covering topics in health, wellness, and fitness. Our goals are to empower you with knowledge to take charge of your health and live a healthier lifestyle. Okay, welcome to Shakti Podcast number nine. This is on mindfulness. I'm very excited to introduce Dr. Gina Sager, who actually was my teacher for a mindfulness uh, program, which which is where I met her about eight years ago. And it uh, totally changed my life because it was when through your program, through your eight week class was when I realized the power of the mind-body connection and the power that our mind has over our body and the ability for us to create a peacefulness that in our stressful lives, I mean, all of us could live in the Himalayas, but we don't. But this actually mimics more of that peaceful quality that we could have, which is so important for the parasympathetic input that we always stress about. So thank you, Gina, for joining me. And thank you for having me. I want to talk about today. Um, the broad umbrella term of yoga encompasses many things. And it's uh, one part of it is asanas or postures. One part of it is uh, pranayama or breath work. And one part of it is meditation. And mindfulness falls under the meditation aspect. And I feel like when I recommend meditation to everyone, it's, it's to me, kind of like oxygen. You know, it's, it's something of a daily practice that should be done every day, but people get so focused on what type of meditation should I do. My feeling is that, you know, doing things of four, 20 minutes a day really is a segue to a quality of life or the way you live your life of being in the moment or mindful, having you focus on the task at hand, more right brain using the right brain. Can you expand on how you stumbled into mindfulness, Gina? Yeah, so um, I'm a general surgeon by training, and I my life was not very uh, easy. It was very stressful, and I was accustomed to moving 24-7. Um, and curiously enough, one of the first things that I put in place when I made the decision to leave my practice was to do the first of several trainings with a man named John Kabat-Zinn. I had encountered his work uh, while I was still in practice through a program called The Adventure of Being Alive, which frankly at the time annoyed me because <laughs> being alive did not feel like an adventure. Um, but I met him and I knew, even though I didn't know about what meditation even was, it was, it was a planted seed that continued to grow uh, that really was, I was certain that this was going to be the answer to any kind of healing and settling. How long did it take from your first introduction to mindfulness to actually, you know, getting very active in it? Well, so that's the other problem. So I thought that I could understand mindfulness with my brain and not have to actually practice because honestly, just sitting there and not doing anything, not sort of something I was familiar with. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot about mindfulness. I actually studied for a while with a Tibetan teacher. I did a lot of Buddhist studies. I did all of John Kabat-Zinn's training. Um, and I was still really having an intellectual experience of mindfulness. Um, and it wasn't until I actually sat down and learned how to just be with myself as I am that the practice started to take off. You know, mindfulness is my form of meditation that I choose and teach because it doesn't ask us to be another way. You know, so much of life is asking us to do something else or be some other way or to discount the way that we are or the way that we feel. 
But mindfulness is simply saying, can you just sit here with this moment, which is just like this, because it's the only moment that you have? Can you start to see what is true without being so judgmental? And, you know, again, as a surgeon, what do I know? I know judgment. I know judgment well, and critical thinking is really important, but not when it spills into every single corner of my life. So I have found that the actual formal sitting of practice for a prescribed period of, of time is what allows the shift in the nervous system from the sympathetic to the parasympathetic. It allows us to not make ourselves relax because you know how that goes. Somebody tells you to just relax and it just ups the ante on how stressed you are. So it's sitting with yourself without fighting with how you are and allowing yourself to go to a place that's already there. I find that a lot of people do well with guided meditations because yes. it's uh, we're so used to having our brain do something that it's a nice way to start a meditation practice. I found also walking meditation to be helpful because we are moving and it seems like we are able to focus on something. Uh, for me, I took to meditation the first time I did yoga nidra. It was um, very, very compelling to me. I, I actually saw that the lights were different colors. It was brighter. I was driving home at night. Your class was from 6 to 9. And I remember driving home that evening and thinking that the sky was brighter and the moon was shinier. And it was different than when I had walked in, which was kind of strange for me. Uh, but is that a normal experience that you yeah, see for absolutely. people? Yeah, absolutely. Because most of us live, if you think about it, in the past and the future. We miss a lot of the present moment. And so mindfulness is training us to come back to the present. It's, it's asking us to simply notice when we're not here, to not make a big deal about it, but to remember that we always get to choose what gets our attention. Now, most of us don't know that, so whenever we have a thought, we have the habit of believing what we think. Now we're given a tool to say, oh, I had a thought. Look how that's making me upset. Okay, wait. Let me pause. And I can choose to just come back to this moment, to just literally come back to my senses. So that mind chatter that you talk about, I believe that most of the time it's very detrimental to us in general. It's usually not helpful for us, correct? Well, and it's almost never true. Right. <laughs> so I think a lot of us uh, use, the, and we're not even aware that there's mind chatter, yes. which is what I love about being mindful. You kind of shut down that mind chatter. Um, you also had said that in your course, you always emphasize that stress is a reaction. Yes. Can you expand on that? A little well, bit? stress for us now is a reaction. What we're attempting to do is to transform our relationship to stress as a conscious present moment response. So if we're not present to what just happened and our physiology starts to change and we feel ourselves getting anxious, we're likely to do whatever we have trained ourselves to do. That's a reaction. What mindfulness is calling us to is to say, I feel the physiology. I feel my heart starting to pound. I feel my muscles getting tense. That's an invitation. That's a mindfulness bell. It's a time to pause. What just happened? Is something happening right now? Or am I reacting to something that looks familiar that I have reacted to before? So then I get to choose in that tiny little space between being on automatic pilot or saying, you know what? This moment has never happened before. And so I can do the same thing that I do every time somebody says or does that or this happens or that happens, or I can do something new. And every time I do something new, I'm literally changing the way neurons are firing inside my brain. So it, for that reason, it does require practice. You know, every time we interrupt these old familiar habits, we're creating new habits that are more skillful, that allow us to more easily be present to this moment's 
stress or event rather than just reacting to the, the one that's always upset us before. I think the beauty of this technique, and we can talk about the technique in a minute, but the benefits that we have on a physiologic level that can affect so many things that I see in internal medicine, which is not just anxiety and depression and pain, which was shown in that study by Hopkins uh, several years ago, but also the fact that it lowers our cortisol and our inflammatory markers, and it can you know, help us with uh, sometimes even lowering lipids and changing our glucose and you know, decreasing risk of heart attacks. Those are all you know, proven things that are, have been in the meditation literature for years. And we don't talk about it, I think, as physicians, because it's, it's just really hard to talk about. It's kind of like, say, oh, go diet and exercise. Go relax is kind of the, the, the sense that people get when they leave their doctor's office. But the stress response is so powerful. And my point is that, you know, when that separation of parasympathetic and sympathetic happen and that space between the two fight or flight and rest and digest is created, the space between them is where all the symptoms are. And what we need to do is we need to reinforce that parasympathetic and reduce that space between the two. And it actually changes our physiology. Yes. And it actually lowers the itises that are in our bodies. And that is, I think, very powerful. And the connection between the mind and body is hugely powerful. So can you tell us a little bit about how do we do a mindfulness? How do we get into a mindfulness practice? Well, first, let me just add to that, that you know the physiology is going to change before your cognitive mind understands that there was a, a threat or a perceived threat. Because your body is gonna get the first information. The information first arrives at the most primitive part of the brain, which is where the fight or flight response lives. And since we're wired for survival, if I'm not paying attention, if this threatening or perceived to be threatening information comes in, I'm just gonna to react to it as if it's a threat because survival needs to happen without my cognitive awareness. Right, So if I'm driving down the road and a tractor trailer starts to come into my lane, I don't think, oh my goodness, there's a truck, I need to move, I just jerk the wheel. So this is sort of happening under our cognitive radar. What we're trying to do with a mindfulness practice is to tune into the physiology. The body's gonna change first. So if you tune into the physiology, that's when you have the key to pause, to send energy up to the higher executive functioning part of your brain and say, okay, wait, what just happened? And how am I gonna respond to that? but it's rooted in your awareness of your physiology. If you can catch it as soon as your muscles get tight or as soon as you start to hold your breath or as soon as you can feel your heart starts to pound, then you can choose your response more skillfully. And actually on functional MRIs scans, uh, with meditation practice, you can actually show a thickening of the pathway from the prefrontal cortex back to the limbic system in folks who practice meditation. So from where you process what's happening to areas of emotion. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so the processing piece, when we're taking, when we take the physiology up to the higher executive function, which is what we have as humans, which is so brilliant, we have then the capacity to recognize that that was just a thought. It's not necessarily true. It was a thought. It might've been a worrisome thought, but it's not happening now. And that capacity to sort of step off the automatic pilot to step back and become the observer gives us control over what happens next. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when we're running in 24-7 in, in the fight or flight response, we're literally stealing resources that will allow us to heal. You know, you know this, and everybody probably knows this, but maybe not to the extent that you have this kind of power to shift that. 
So you start to recognize that if I just freak out about every single thing, I'm literally, every time I do that, I'm pulling resources away from my parasympathetic nervous system, which could be digesting my food or healing my wounds or, you know, just soothing Creating my nervous inflammation system. in your body. Decreasing, yes. Uh, so how does one begin in terms of starting a practice? Well, I mean, I think that you have to be willing to notice that you're stressed. And I also believe that you have to be willing to realize and recognize and accept that you have more power than you know to control that. You're not at the mercy of the world unless you say so. And I know that sounds sort of like overwhelming to folks who feel like they're just on a treadmill, but to recognize and honor how you are when the world is telling you that you shouldn't be worried about that is really, really very powerful. And then you just start to sit down with yourself and be with yourself as you are. Do you want to do a yes. second or two let's, of practice? Let's, let's, do a, let's do a trial of mindfulness. So, you know, one of the most important things in the, the setup, if you will, of mindfulness is to bring yourself into an upright position. You know, what this literally does, since your body is speaking to the nervous system, if you're collapsed and curled in, you're actually in a place of threat. If you were a rabbit being chased by a fox in the, in the wild and you were cornered, you would curl up because you would be safer this way. So when we are walking around in this sort of turned in, curled in, collapsed physical state, it's, it's sort of feeding information to the mind that we're continually threatened. If you are actually threatened, you're not likely to sit up nice and straight and open your heart and your front body to the world. So when you do this in your body, you're actually starting already the practice of telling your mind, oh my gosh, you know what? I must not be threatened because this is a position of safety. So I'm creating in my physical presence a sense of safety and awareness and alertness. Mm -hmm. So that's the first piece. You can sit on the floor if you like. It's important to have your feet on the ground if you're seated in a chair so that you're really taking advantage of the earth beneath you to help you ground. And then I'll just guide you, if you would yes, like, through a very short centering yes. practice. So first of all, just let your ears hear from beginning to end the sound of this bell. And just take a moment to notice how in this moment it feels to be you from the inside. Noticing without judgment any tightness or tension that you find in the body. Noticing any aches or pains. If you're seated in a chair, feel your feet touching ground. And imagine letting your sitting bones 
just ground and root through the seat of your chair. Imagine that you're a tree putting down roots and let them spread deep and wide. And if you're resistant to that or feel like you're on the launch pad, see what happens if you just choose for this moment to give in to the pull of gravity. Let yourself feel or imagine feeling grounded and centered and stable and safe. Feel the spine grow long and tall as you take your rightful place between heaven and earth. Head directly over the spine. And if your mind is busy, see what happens if you keep the palms turned down. That can have the effect of grounding you and helping you stabilize. If on the other hand, as soon as you stop moving, what you discover is how exhausted you are. Then if you wish to stay awake, it will be helpful to turn the palms to face up. Maybe, but let yourself see what helps you, what serves you. And just for a moment, let yourself be here. Feeling first what it feels like to be in a body. See if you can notice without judgment any aches or pains that you've brought or any tightness or tension. You'll notice how quickly you think about the body, and when you notice that, rather than judging or criticizing, choose instead to be delighted that you noticed. And then remember that you get to choose what gets your attention, and for now, we're choosing sitting here right now in this moment in your body. Now see if you can feel the breath. Not changing breath or controlling breath. Just noticing without judgment in this moment the speed of breath. Notice the ease or struggle of the breath as it moves in and then goes out. And feel right now where in the body breath is most alive. For some of us, we don't even notice breath. It may just be that you have an awareness of temperature change at the tip of your nose. All of this is fine. And then from this perhaps more stable and centered and grounded place, start to notice what's going on in your mind. And if you feel like you're overwhelmed by thought, I like to use the metaphor of a waterfall. And if you feel like you're standing in the middle of a deluge of thought and you can't see straight, imagine that you can take a step behind your waterfall of thought and just find a place that's a little quieter. You can still hear the roar of your thoughts, but there's some space so that you can see the thoughts and your relationship to the thoughts. I just for a moment stay here and see what is true for you right now. Nothing else is supposed to be happening. What you experience is your life. Just notice what's on your mind. If your mind wanders a thousand times, just gently tug it back a thousand times. No big deal. This moment's never happened before. It will never happen again. You can always start fresh. So just notice now any changes, large or small, in the body. 
in the breath or in the mind, even in these few moments of practice, And as I ring the bell again, just notice whether there's even a difference in your capacity to receive this sound. Thank you, Gina. That was lovely. Well, and I would like to invite everybody to notice um, whether or not it's possible that if you had to meet a crisis now, you would have different capacity to do so than you would have just three minutes ago. So one of the other leads me to one of the other benefits we have with mindfulness is that it changes our brain waves. Yes. Puts us more in an alpha state where we're focused, but we're not as reactive. Yes. And so that's a wonderful place to be. Uh, thank you so much for this session. And uh, there will be uh, links to your website on our podcast show notes. Um, please join us again as we have another podcast with Dr. Gina Sager uh, talking about one of my favorite forms of mindfulness, Yoga Nidra. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.